Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Thursday, September 21st. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in the New York Tri-State area. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Emma Murphy. And I'm David Escobar. And here are this week's feature stories. The Biden administration is giving almost 500,000 Venezuelan migrants access to work permits and protection from deportation. The new temporary protected status will give migrants who weren't able to work the ability to do so while they wait out their asylum appeals. Giving migrants a legal path to employment was high on the list of Governor Kathy Hochul and Mayor Adams' demands to the federal government. Venezuelans make up about 40% of the immigrants who've come to New York City in the past year. City officials say they hope the ability for Venezuelans to work will give them the opportunity to find housing and free up the city's already overcrowded shelters. If you're over five years old and it's been two months since your last COVID shot, it's time to book your next appointment. But the CDC is saying this season's COVID vaccine isn't a booster. Think of it more like a seasonal vaccine, similar to a flu shot. The new shot is an updated monovalent vaccine. It was approved by the FDA earlier this month. The new vaccine will replace the previous booster shots because it's tailored to the newest strains of COVID. You can find your nearest vaccination location at vaccines.gov. Most New Yorkers are happier than they were last year. That's according to a survey by personal finance company WalletHub. They ranked New York at 16th, up from 23rd the previous year. Happiness was based on improvements related to things like emotional and physical well-being, community, and work environment. But according to analyst Joe Gonzalez, two nearby states ranked even higher. Of those states, New Jersey is the happiest, ranked fifth happiest out of all 50 states. Connecticut was right behind that at sixth happiest. And New York was a little bit further down out of the top 15 at 16th happiest, could use the most improvement in terms of work and community. The highest ranked states for happiness were Utah, followed by Hawaii and Maryland. Central Park will be filled with music this weekend. That's because musicians like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Conan Gray are performing at the Great Lawn for the annual Global Citizen Festival. It's a free event with a mission of ending poverty. While the chances to get a free ticket are over, fans can still buy VIP tickets for a few hundred dollars. Eight acts were set to perform, but with a slight modification. Three members of the K-pop group Stray Kids were involved in a minor car crash, so now three Racha will perform, which includes some, but not all, of the members of the original boy band. you recognize that song, you may be surprised to learn that today's the 53rd anniversary of Monday Night Football on ABC. That's right, Emma, but that first game wasn't exactly kind to New York football fans. The Cleveland Browns spoiled the Monday Night Football premiere for the New York Jets, beating them 31-21 in Ohio. The song you're hearing didn't come about until almost 20 years after the premiere but it's since become an iconic part of watching football on Monday nights. That was until just this week, when Monday Night Football debuted its new theme song, In the Air Tonight. The updated theme is a Phil Collins classic performed by Snoop Dogg and Chris Stapleton. 
This month, the WFUV Newsroom is highlighting stories of individual banned books and exploring how and why these book bans arise in the first place. George M. Johnson is an author, journalist, and activist. They're widely known for their memoir manifesto, All Boys Aren't Blue. It's a series of essays about Johnson's journey growing up black and queer and has been the subject of many book bans and challenges across the country. WFUV's Christina Lulich speaks with Johnson to discuss the book and reasons why critics believe it should be kept off school shelves. We're sitting down today to talk about All Boys Aren't Blue. So talk to me about what made you decide to write this book. It was about November of 2017. And by that time, I knew I wanted to write a book. I just wasn't sure what direction I wanted to go or what I wanted the book to fully be about. Around that same time, two of my friends, Michael Arsenault and Darna Moore, were in the process of writing or finishing uh, their memoirs to be released. It just was a really, really exciting time as a, as a queer writer to want to put my story out there. Uh, November of 2017, there was a young man by the name of Giovanni Melton who was killed by his father. And within the police report, it stated that his father said that he would rather have a dead son than a gay son. That story really triggered me, and I wrote multiple articles about it. But after writing article after article after article, uh, it just wasn't enough. And that's when I knew that it was time for me to put my story out there about how I also grew up being effeminate and being queer, uh, but I was blessed enough to grow up in a family that affirmed it. And so I just wanted to put a narrative out there, or almost a counter narrative to uh, a lot of what has always been said about Black community and around homophobia and just kind of giving everybody a possibility model that they could follow to see what happens when you just love a queer child unconditionally. And that's really what birthed All Boys Aren't Blue. The book consists of a series of essays that are about your experience growing up Black and queer. So talk to me about some of the topics that you've touched on in your writing. So I wrote about race, gender, culture, sexuality, um, HIV, just a myriad of different subjects, but I was always writing about them from the angle that I always thought was missing. And so when it came time to write All Boys Aren't Blue, I wanted to make sure that I touched on what the totality of a person was. It was like, my life wasn't all bad. My life wasn't all good. My life was a mix of both. And some of those things happened apart and some of those things were happening simultaneously. And so I do talk about joy. I talk about black joy. I talk about black boy joy. I talk about family. Family is pretty much the main through line uh, of my book. I talk about religion a little bit because I did grow up in a church. I also touch on sexual assault, rape culture. My book also likes to give that historical lens. So I do talk about, you know, the history of this country and slavery and the forefathers and Black History Month. You know, it was like telling my story, but also um, relating it to very real world topics. I'm a queer character that doesn't die at the end. And with a lot of books, a lot of fiction books, a lot of times the queer character doesn't make it to the end. And this was one of those stories where you got to the end and I'm still here. Despite your book's critical acclaim and awards, it's been frequently censored due to LGBTQIA plus content and said profanity. How do you respond mm -hmm. to this? Yes, the book is a, is a book about an LGBTQ person. And yes, the book has profanity in it because guess what? Teenagers cursed. You know, we live in a world where you have a certain group of people who like to live under this ideology of as what I like to call like the, the white purity complex of children. And they believe that their kids 
have no idea what's going on in the world. Oh my God, my kid knows nothing about queer people and nothing about sex and nothing about these things. And your book is what's introducing my child to these things. And in reality, that's just not the case. What our books do is they give teenagers, because my book is for teenagers, it gives them context around the heavy subjects they're already living through. Why should people read All Boys Aren't Blue? People should read All Boys Aren't Blue. There are two reasons that I think maybe three reasons that I think people should read All Boys Aren't Blue. One, the demographic that the book is written for, they should read it because I want them to know that people in the world exist that are just like them. That there are people who have already been here, who have been through many of their struggles, many of their battles already for them. And that as a person who woke up every day not seeing myself reflected in the world in many ways, I want them to wake up every day and know that they are reflected in this world. Two, I think people should read All Boys Aren't Blue because books are three things. They build empathy, they are windows and they are mirrors. And so reason number one was talking about the mirror. Reason number two is talking about the window. This allows people to look into the world of somebody that is not like them. Oftentimes uh, we separate ourselves by our differences. Books allow people to understand what people's differences are, but to have empathy for those differences and then to be able to use whatever power or access or things that they have to make someone else's life a little bit easier along the way. And so that's the, the second reason. The third reason that people should read All Boys Aren't Blue is because the book is a universal book, it has universal themes of love and of family. It just gives you insight into a different world from a different view. What would you say to someone who believes your book should be banned or kept off the school's shelves? The first question is, have you read the book? have you read the book? Because most times they'll lie and say they read the book. And so I'll always say, well, what did you think about my grandmother? Like, because she's all throughout the book. They can, they can never answer it. I'm like, right, you didn't read the book. The second thing is though, what gives you the right to dictate a parent whose child needs this book? Because that's the real issue. Because this book has saved lives. What do you hope readers, whether they be queer, not queer, people from all backgrounds, what do you hope they can take away from your book? It costs us nothing to just love on each other through our differences. And so I think the book, by the time you get to the end of it, it makes you question yourself. It makes you have to sit and think, wow, I've never woken up. I've never you know, gotten up in the morning and had to question my identity. I wonder what that is like. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich speaking to George M. Johnson about their book, all boys aren't blue. And that's our show for today. But check back with us tomorrow around 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And as always, you can find more from us at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Emma Murphy. And I'm David Escobar. And that's What's What.